You're listening to the iZombie Podcast. I'm Robin, and Steph and I are here talking today to Bob Dearden, writer of this week's episode, Conspiracy Weary. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Papa Squat. Well, thank you very much, and very nice to uh, digitally meet you, Steph, as well. I've been looking oh, forward to this for, for decades. Oh. <laughs> I'm blushing. It's a rarity for Steph to show up on interviews, but she happened to have a, a free weekend, so... Well, I assume it has everything to do with me, and I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> um, I noticed that this is your second anti-penultimate episode after last year's Reflections of the Way Live used to be. Are you now the guy that gets to tee up the finale? Or is that what? Uh, no. Um, I, I wish that there was some sort of, like, that was a great position in the batting order to which I had ascended. <laughs> but basically, uh, season two, it, it sort of happened by... I don't exactly remember, but it, it was it was meant to be somebody else, and then there was a last minute switcheroo, and uh, I had no anticipation of getting a, a second episode that season, and that was the season that we had nineteen episodes. There was mm-hmm. there was more of an opportunity for people to write more than one episode, um, but anyway, it, it worked out great uh, because I'm from up there, uh, where we shoot in Vancouver is is what I mean by up there, right? right. Um, and so we get to we usually get to fly up. The writers do. Uh, for about four days, and um, which is great. So you get to spend the first two days, uh, you know, prepping for the episode, and then the first two days of the shoot, you get to spend on set, just kind of hanging out at Video Village and watching them make it. Um, and you know, a couple of years ago, when it was the the second to last episode, the way the schedule works out, the writers' room breaks before production's done, um, and so instead of flying up, I just drove back and got to spend the whole episode up there. And then just stayed and visited with friends and, you know, I had no reason to, get to, to rush back to L.A. because the writer's room was wrapped. And so I, I sort of requested specifically last year to, uh, to do the same. Uh, and last year, you know, the production schedule fell such that um, that episode was shot in late November. So it was kind of right up on the, you know, beginning of the holiday season by the time I was done work. So it just it all kind of worked out more from a personal standpoint than any. Uh, creative decision and and you know rob and the people that make these calls were kind enough to accommodate that request so we'll see if we can keep keep the streak going this year but uh, i'm not i'm not, ne- not necessarily counting on it <laughs> well i mean you um definitely had a great episode to write this time and and it's been you know we all loved it i mean how have you liked the uh, reaction to it uh it's a funny thing um i mean obviously i'm i'm always happy if people react well to the show period um i never feel no she's quiet as a church mouse that's the neighbor dog um sorry about that it's a bit of a bit of a kennel i'm living in these days um but uh yeah at my level i don't feel any real ownership of any given episode it feels like you know it's such a collective collaborative process that um Many of the things that people may have responded positively to in episodes that I'm credited with writing had nothing to do with me. They were decisions that were made at the top or they were, um, you know, pitches that landed from any of the other writers who were in the room at the time. And it and it goes both ways. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I contribute to other people's episodes in the same way as well. Um, so when there are things like reviews that grade the show or uh, what have you, or you look at the ratings or something like that. It just, it never feels like, uh, I have any kind of direct responsibility or, um, uh, none of it really comes back to me. You know, it's, it's all, I mean, it's, it's all a show that, um, you know, was created by Rob and Diane and very much continues at their direction. Uh, and the rest of us that are, especially the people that are, you know, sort of lower level that are, that are fairly new writers. And there's, there's quite a few of us in the room. Um, I think we're all happy to to land pitches and get our ideas on the screen, and certainly you'd love to see stuff that you've written, uh, you know, come to fruition and be produced and and get a response on Twitter or get a response from your friends and family or whatever. 
Um, but as often as not, somebody comes up to me and says, oh, I really, you know, my favorite part of that episode was whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't write that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's hard to feel a ton of like ownership uh, or pride in the episodes that I'm credited with specifically. But um, I mean, it is a lot of fun to just watch people react to the show in general. Yeah. Uh, and I think the you know, I think there's been some um, contentious discussion that I've seen about some of the. You know, some of the paths our characters have gone down this year, but I think overall the reaction to the episodes has been pretty positive, and that's, I mean, that's always fun to see, you know, that, that your work that, in this case, you know, was almost a year ago for some of this stuff for us, yeah. uh, stuff that we, you know, that we kind of mulled over and had several different iterations of before we landed on what we landed on, um, to see people react positively to that is is always rewarding and makes us pretty happy. Um. Oh, go ahead, Steph. I was just going to say, I don't, I, I live in la la land of a zombie. I never hear any criticism. I always hear good stuff. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know what people are complaining about. <laughs> I think everyone has their, um, everyone has, somebody's going to complain about something. Yeah. Everyone's got their own personal perspective that they bring to the table and they, I mean, it's great because if nobody's complaining, uh, it feels like we haven't, like nobody cares, you know what yeah. I mean? If, yeah, if people that's are complaining, true. it's because they become attached to a, a certain character or added their own, uh, you know, because we show a, obviously a, you know, a, a window into each character's lives every week. And I think it's a natural tendency for a lot of fans to do a bit of filling in of the blanks, um, mm-hmm. you know, deciding who that character is a little bit when they're off screen or what certain choices mean that we maybe leave a little bit ambiguous. Um, and so it's, I think it's great. I think it's a, you know, there's a level of engagement you have to reach in order to make people angry. Um, and we certainly don't want to, you know, piss our fans off, but I almost think it's a good sign um, when there is that much sort of passion and, and people are kind of bickering back and forth uh, about, no, so-and-so shouldn't have done this or why did so-and-so do that? It just means that, that they're invested, you know? True. I mean, so I, w- I would think... Uh... One of the ones was uh, Ravi's uh, turn at the beginning of the season, but it's like, what do you expect? Just he's just going to be the nice guy that pines after Peyton and sits around the morgue all day? No, he's got a, he's got he's a three dimensional character. He has flaws, you know. Yeah, so. I I agree. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion uh, on that front in the room, as I recall, when yeah. you know when the early parts of season three were getting broken. But um, there, yeah, that was my reaction too to a lot of the. Um, a lot of the sort of contentious discussion that I saw online in the wake of that storyline. And I agree hundred percent that, um, it's more interesting to see somebody that you love, uh, a little bit exposed in terms of what their flaws are than to just see them, uh, constantly sort of quipping about everything and, and rolling with all the punches in life. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's one of his, most endearing character traits that he rolled with uh, the, you know, the revelation in the pilot that his coworker was a zombie yeah. and and that he's continued to be so supportive of her and just gone along with everything in, in such a uh, sort of charming and endearing way. Um, but that doesn't preclude the possibility that he can also be jealous or feel emasculated. Um, and I, you know, and I think, uh, without spoiling too much, and I think we've seen a bit of it already, he certainly um, has redeemed specifically some of those issues over the course of the rest of season three. You know, and that's kind of that's kind of the ebb and flow. I think that we're shooting for with all the characters that there is a bit of um, you know there is a bit of a, a sort of uh, what's the word? Just a you know kind of a reaction to you know choices are made. There's consequences, and then there's choices made based on what those consequences were. It can't just be a straight line uh, for a character throughout, you know, the course of what is now a four season show. Otherwise um, it's going to get pretty stale. Yeah. I especially think like, uh, you know, him getting ribbed by uh, major throughout the season about not getting out of the car. Uh, you know, when we see him stand off against Harley at the beginning of this episode and get the gun to his head, uh, I, I, I just wanted to say like to major, like, what do you think? What do you think now? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it, it is a, 
I think it's a it's a great hero moment for him, and I say that um, again, not having been the one who came up with that moment. Um, but I think it's a great hero moment for Ravi uh, to stand up to these guys on behalf of Donnie and just sort of on behalf of zombies in general. Um, and it and it does. I mean, it, it wasn't specifically designed, I don't think, um, to to be an "I told you so" or a, like yeah. I, you know, I I, I kind of crapped out at the end of season two when it came to a hero moment and and so now i'm showing you what i can do i think it still comes from very much a like had none of that happened with peyton and blaine at the end of season two i still think he's in the same place facing down harley mm-hmm. uh when the time comes but it but it is nice as a sort of a bookended counterpoint to to where we see him at the beginning of the season yeah um and and speaking of that action scene um there's this moment where Liv like charges in and immediately gets taken down um by one of the john's brothers does the writer's room want to kind of keep Liv from hurting actual humans was that a choice to take her down so quickly uh i don't think that decision and again this was a long time ago that we were talking about And I mean, there was a ton of discussion just about the choreography of that rescue, um, you know, based on based on a lot of boring, non-creative concerns, as well as, you know, the the sort of, um, you know, wh- what we thought was cool. You know, we're always sort of motivated by that, but then we're, we're hemmed in by what we can actually get, accomplish. Um, and in that case, I think it was just more a matter of we needed uh, or we wanted uh, the brothers to escape and to have, uh, you know, the end result be that Johnny was saved, but that they were sort of trapped in the, um, in the cage. Um, so that we could have the, the Fillmore Graves confrontation and, and, you know, have Harley see his brothers get gunned down outside of Wham Bam's. So it was more of a, just how we had to choreograph it. And, uh, you know, I think there's, um, in theory, a hundred different ways we could have gotten there, but in practice, um, you know, with only so many hours in the day to shoot this stuff and only so much of a budget for certain things, um, you do have to a certain to a certain extent uh, simplify some of your action scenes. And one of my one of my problems or recurring issues, I would say, is that anytime I've ever written anything actiony for Rob, um, I think I get a little overexcited, and it ends up being you know, like six pages of basically a, a choreographed like WWE cage match. And, uh, and it always gets cut down to, you know, like three quarters of a page to what we can actually shoot. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's just some of the realities of, of, you know, um, you want to do X creatively, but you can only accomplish Y, uh, logistically. And, and right. you hope that you hope that the spirit of what you originally thought will, um, will still exist in the final, in the final product. And I, I think what we were going for there is, is what we ended up with, but there wasn't anything specifically. I think, I think we're real happy to have live hurt, um, those humans after what they did. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, like Harley is one of those three recurring characters on this episode that are, seem to like be on the, the front, like kind of villainous, kind of schemey. Um, but I still have some sort of empathy for like right. Harley lost his brothers. Like he wants to take out zombies because he sees them as monsters. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden he's turned at the end of this episode. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. And I mean, when you come down to it, he's right. Um, yeah. at least about the, you know, the existence of zombies. Um, and I think in a, in a different world, uh, you know, he's, he's the hero of a zombie show. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily quite like, Walking Dead or something like that, but I mean that—that that is normally the perspective from which you see a, a zombie story get told. Um, you know, ours is obviously a little more uh, on the warm body side of the equation, where we're yeah. we're we're following uh, our, our zombie protagonist, and so anyone opposed to them is going to be the bad guy. But I think in general, you know, the the hope is that every time you write an antagonist. Um, the reaction that you just described or the, the take that you just described on that character is what comes across that they, you know, everyone's the hero of their own story sort of thing. So um, I'm, I'm glad that that landed because there was definitely a lot of times in the room where, you know, the discussion of, of where to take the Johns brothers started to veer a little too much into caricature and, and, 
it was always brought back by Rob or somebody else saying like, you know, these, these guys happen to be right. Uh, the brother was, you know, had his arm ripped off, uh, after being killed in a zombie massacre. Um, and then come, you know, coming out of this episode, uh, I won't spoil anything that we see with Harley, but you're right. He did just see his brothers get gunned down by zombies. So, uh, certainly if you wanted to look at it from his perspective, um, he's, he's got a lot of, reasons for valid reasons for feeling the way he does redneck though he might be <laughs> yeah um how about uh rachel i i i saw rachel we were talking about her uh having almost like the same decision that clive had at the beginning of the season like i have this information should i warn everybody or should i you know keep it to myself and a lot of people uh, had the reaction of like, well, she totally betrayed Ravi, but I also see it as, you know, uh, uh, she had a decision. She didn't, it's not like she was like super big friends of Ravi and she saw that he was like, especially when she refused to kiss him, like she didn't want to like hurt his feelings anymore, but she had a, like a, felt like she had a job to do. I think, I don't know if yeah. you can speak much of what her intentions were. Well, I think I think that's right as far as the um, you know wanting to have a romantic relationship with Ravi, but um, pulling back because that would be crossing a line. I think that's how um, that's how I remember Rob sort of presenting it uh, when we were breaking that story. Um, so there is, you know, so, I think on her side some guilt at having betrayed him. As far as the as far as the. Um, uh, you know, moral or public health safety obligation to uh, to make this information public. Um, I don't recall if we ever discussed this take specifically, but I will tell you what what my take is on mm-hmm. on reporters. And you saw the, I mean, you saw the scene where she enters at the end in the in the offices of the um, of the Alt Weekly, right? Where the other reporters are sort of pitching stories. And one of the things I think I tried to do with that scene was um, demonstrate that. Uh, uh, these reporters anyway, not to make a comment on all journalists, but these reporters anyway, um, you know, they're sort of competing for page space. And I think that is, that is an element to being a journalist. Like certainly, um, you may have, uh, you know, a moral cause on your side. Um, but it's also about the byline on the front page. And I think there's an element of that to her as well. I mean, I think, um, I don't remember if this line made it in or not, but I, I think there is an element of, you know, this is her chance to break into the big time or, you know, this is her Pulitzer story sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Not that I think the Pulitzer Awards alt weekly cover stories about zombies, their <laughs> prize, but you get the idea. Like, I think there is an element to her of like, not only am I potentially, you know, the only person that can warn everybody about this impending apocalypse, but, um, I'm also going to get a big career boost from it. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. Like, I wonder, you know, if you were the person to break the story that there was another species <laughs> that were eating brains living in the underground of Seattle, like maybe that would be Pulitzer worthy. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Could be. I mean, these days I feel like it <laughs> might get relegated to the back pages pretty quickly because something <laughs> – something else that was even crazier would just happen at a press conference the next day. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, 20 out. years ago, this, yeah, this would have been, <laughs> this would have been on the front pages for a while. I think once it, the other thing is that, you know, um, I guess we left off with Robbie seeing the cover. So we don't quite know yeah. yet what the reaction is. Um, and I don't want to give anything away. Okay. So, I'm going to stop talking about that. Then. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we just want, we can't wait to find out how many people read this newspaper. You know how far? Just okay. Can I say this Shauna and Rachel thing is just brilliant? It blew my mind. You know, we were so set up to not trust Shauna, and then here Rachel is the biggest, the bigger betrayal, betrayer, right. and it was great. But yeah. Uh, yeah. We can't wait to see the who looks at Shauna's Tumblr, you know, right. who reads this versus <laughs> who reads this alt newspaper and how how far is all this going to get out and what's the yeah what's going to happen? Uh, well, I'm I'm glad that you are tantalized as we intended. Um, <laughs> yes. the, the last two episodes um, 
I think are a lot of fun. You know, the, the final episodes of season two, as you recall, was was our version of a a zombie movie um, with a ton of action and and uh, some you know sort of apocalyptic stakes. Uh, I guess the stakes are always somewhat apocalyptic just by nature of the existence of zombies in our show. Um, but I think the I think the scope of the episode uh, in terms of the action and that sort of thing. Uh, the last two episodes, I should say, of this year are dialed down a bit. And, you know, we're not going to have another Supermax party. Um, but there is some of the funnest stuff that I think we've done uh, in the next episode. And then in the final episode, uh, without giving too much away, it's I think it does the same job that our first two finales do, where it sort of um, it resets the it resets the conditions under which our heroes are living in a, in a way that propels us into season four. Um, I think in a, in a very exciting way. And we're now, um, we just finished week one of season four writer's room. So we're getting into the repercussions of, uh, of that finale. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff, um, available to us. Like it's a, it's a bit of a new sandbox we're playing in. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But you only have to wait about a year until that airs. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was contemplating the hiatus that we'd be on to, until the next new episodes come out, whether or not well, we're going to come in January or April again. <laughs> well, yeah, we we have no idea either, yeah. but I feel like we're pretty much the Game of Thrones of, uh, of CW right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the third the, – the, Wanted to definitely ask you about Shauna, though. Uh, she commits a relationship sin by posting – stuff on tumblr i mean not only just pictures but like chats i I don't know at first you think that she's trying to capitalize but i don't know i just think she's troubled and doesn't know boundaries i mean i don't know if you can say too much about her and what her intentions are yeah i mean i think i mean i think you you've seen a lot of her intentions um and i and i think it, it is you know there's a certain level of um uh I don't want to say a lack of self-awareness or an obliviousness. I think it's just that she has a different perspective mm-hmm. um, in the way that I think a lot of people do now where it's, uh, I mean, I have friends even that are my age um, who, you know, are, are serial oversharers on social media, <laughs> maybe not to the extent that Shauna was. And I think there's an element to Shauna that, uh, you know, majors, right. That she, she was looking for, um, you know, to piggyback on the attention that, that was coming major's way. Um, and I, I guess her philosophy would be that no publicity is, excuse me, is bad publicity because obviously the attention major is getting is, is not, um, is not positive attention for being the chaos killer and all that. Um, but you know, I think there's an element of that tour of, of sort of fame chasing through proximity to notoriety and, and using social media to advance that. And then I also think she, uh, is just one of these people that thinks it's okay to to share and document uh, um, what traditionally would be thought of by most people as private moments or private interactions uh, for the whole world to see. Because you know there is this thing where we're all kind of the creators of our own reality show now. If you want to be between Tumblers and um, Snapchats and Instagrams and all that, I mean, you can show people as much or as little of your life as you want to now. And I think she's on the extreme end of the, you know, wanting to show too much end of the spectrum. Yeah. Like the lady who snapped a picture of a woman in the gym locker room and put it on Instagram for the world to see. Like that's wow. Just, they just don't think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They just don't think. Yeah, exactly. While we're on the Shauna front, I definitely wanted to get into some major talk. Um, So I I just kind of wanted you to kind of clear it up for me, um, if you could. He's arrested for being the chaos killer. Then he's released by Clive because of the whole unreliable teenage witness thing. And then the whole Max Rager incident happens. uh, And so he insisted, Rachel, that he's the chaos kidnapper. So what what does Seattle – what what is the story that Seattle has on Major? Like wh- like it does is it is it like an OJ thing where like he's he's accused of something and then he's acquitted, but like a lot of people still think he's a killer. Or yeah, we actually brought up um, the OJ comparison uh, in the room at the beginning of last year when we were trying to figure out what you know 
how, how major would be viewed by people uh, trying to answer this exact question that you're posing. Um, and I will admit it's a little hard for me to remember um, everything that happened at the beginning of season three. But as I recall, um, you know, there's a cover story that Fillmore Graves sort of um, schools all of the like Baracus and Tim Addis and all of the all of the newly unfrozen victims uh, as they go back into society. They tell a story about Vaughn um, running afoul of Bond and then being yeah. exper- like captured and experimented on. And I think that um, I think that there's a, a good chunk of Seattle that is just calling bullshit on that. Um, and though we don't, you know, we don't ever really see it, but you see them, um, you know, you see this sort of condition of the house when he comes back to it at the beginning of season three and yeah. the, uh, you know, the woman at the coffee shop that writes chaos killer on his, yeah. uh, to go cup and all that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think I, I, you know, I think there's probably I, similar to OJ. There's if you asked anybody, it's a, it's a well-known enough case. It's been all over the news that I'm sure they could give you opinion. Yeah. An opinion. I'm sure there are people that you know are really fired up about it uh, on one side or the other, and then I'm sure there's a bunch of people that forgot about it the next day and went on to their their business. Um, like he keeps saying chaos kidnapper and i almost wondered if like the official story was like he was working for vaughn and vaughn had him kidnap these people but he got cleared of those charges because uh he informed on the whole situation (laughs) that that makes perfect sense to me i honestly don't remember if we if we made it explicit that you know, in their cover story, in the, you know, the victim's cover story, when they come back out into the world, if they do mention Major or if there's any, if we made any explicit connection to like, yes, Major was involved, but he was coerced and therefore exonerated or whatever the case may be. So I, <laughs> I really shot the bed on shedding light on that situation. <laughs> Again, it's Sorry, like a year remember. ago when you guys were working on it. So uh, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, could you like tell us what's going through Major's head at the end of this episode where he's he's just newly dumped Shauna, he pulls up the Fillmore Graves, he's kind of snickering as he's hearing all the hate directed at him on talk radio, and then he just like parties down in the Irish wake. I mean, like could you like maybe say what's going through his head at the moment? Uh I can try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think the whole season uh culminating with this Shauna situation and the, you know, the t-shirts and everything has kind of been like, for lack of a better term, fuck my life. Like, you know, how did I, how did I apologize if we're not allowed to swear on this, but swear away. (laughs) All right. Fucking A. Um, so he, you know, he, he's gotten into this situation where he's just this sort of pariah and, uh, you know, everybody in Seattle thinks of him this way as this chaos killer or chaos kidnapper. Um, even if they don't think he's necessarily guilty, like that, that's just how he's known now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only place that he really is thought of as anything else is that Fillmore graves. And so I think what you're seeing in that final scene is, is, you know, an example of more shit getting dumped on him. That wasn't really his fault in terms of the chaos killer stuff. Um, and then he goes into a place where sure they're going to make fun of him, but the shirt and bust his balls. But, you know, this is this is a place where he he can belong, where he can be something other than that, uh, where he has a purpose and he has you know a surrogate family of sorts. Um, and so I, I think that's what that scene is meant to do. That, those two scenes back to back are meant to demonstrate. Um, and I think I think we'll see a bit more in that general uh, in that general area um, going forward over the final two episodes of the season. Cool. Um, as a couple of things I wanted to elaborate on uh, what I saw, like you tweet out on Twitter uh, in the past week. You said something about you wanted to include a song from a basketball team warm-up tape. What, what was that about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this is um, something I probably should have known, but certainly learned um, uh, in the pre-production process. Uh, this, the song is called time for some action and it just, it's a red man song from like 92 or 93. And, um, it just, it just seemed like a really fun way to get into the, um, to get into that scene. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that Rob had a feeling either way on it when it crossed his desk in my, in my first draft or whatever. Um, 
but we asked our music supervisor about it. And I, I guess it's really, really hard to clear a lot of hip hop songs because when you go through the clearance process, um, you know, for most songs, you're dealing with a couple songwriters or a couple people with credit on the song. Um, but there's so much sampling in hip hop that you have to clear not only the, you know, the song that you want to use, but every song that was sampled within that. And I, I read a similar thing from, I don't know if you guys watch the leftovers, but oh, yeah. they, use, Oh yeah. They, well, you know, the, the trampoline scene where they use the Wu Tang song, um, yeah. after they show Carrie Coon having the, you know, the Wu Tang tattoo and not knowing what it is. Um, <laughs> And I, I guess they went through a similar process where they wanted to use a Wu-Tang song. And so they, they would sit in the room and go through the songs and pick one that they thought was cool. And they'd send it off to their, you know, their clearance people and it would come back with, you know, there's issues with too many samples. And so finally they said, just tell us what Wu-Tang songs we can possibly clear and we'll pick from that pile. Uh, I think they ended up with Protect Your Neck. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, that, that was an awesome scene, I think. Um that's that's just sort of an era that um of music or whatever that I grew up in, you know, where those songs were kind of all over my high school, mm-hmm. and so I have nostalgia for them, and I always end up if I'm trying to think of a song that fits somewhere, if I'm trying to you know um insert a song into a script for Rob or a, a, you know a spec I'm doing or whatever um that that's where my mind goes a lot of the time uh and it is interesting though that 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 is a bit of a non starter just for um, sort of legal legal reasons, you know, because of all the samples and all the all the different hurdles you have to jump through. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, I've got a question. Yeah, go ahead. About Please. Jason Doring, why is he not a huge star? <laughs> like, why does everybody not know Jason Doring's name? Why is he not a, a like a leading man, like the go to leading man? Uh, I cannot answer that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have a similar question about why am I not basically the Canadian Shonda Rhimes? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, these are the these are the questions in the ether that you know we can only hope to get answered one day. Um, they're they're far too abstract and complicated for for me to figure out those stuff. I think mm-hmm. he is fantastic, though. I um, I think you know seeing the fan reaction to him just showing up. Yeah, uh, and, and becoming a part of the iZombie family has been pretty great, and um, uh, and I think again, um, over the next two episodes, uh, there is a lot of fun to be had uh, with Chase Graves. So I'm, I'm, I think I think Chase Doring fans will have a, a lot to look forward to. I'm worried to ask too much about him because I really want to know like where he stands on being a zombie. Like if he if he thinks that they're superior or if he thinks that. You know, perhaps they're they are like kind of cursed with something, and maybe they'd be interested in the cure. And of course, we're always wondering where those cure syringes went to. So everybody's a suspect in that. As far oh as yeah, concerned. where did those syringes go? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I don't want to. I, I feel like yeah. it's not that spoilery, but uh, I also feel like you know, there's a lot of fleshing out of. Um, you know, of those questions and of his character over the next two episodes. So I might just let that one lie. Sure. Um, are there any sort of deleted scenes that, uh, didn't make it? If you remember, um, from this episode, I don't remember. Um, you know, like there's always, there's always more written than ends up on the screen. And I think that's just, uh, I think that kind of goes for almost every TV show. They always end up, couple minutes long and, and choices have to be made in the edit. But, um, I don't think there was much, maybe a little more, uh, of, of live on conspiracy brain. Um, maybe not scenes that were cut, at least not to my recollection at the moment, but you know, uh, extensions of existing scenes where we just kind of dove a bit deeper into where Tupac and Biggie are now. And, um, <laughs> Tom Cruise being a zombie and that sort of thing. There might've been, a little more of a page, excuse me, a little more of a page count originally um, for some of that stuff. But I don't remember anything specific. I do remember I was just going back through um, some of the old episodes to get ready for, you know, the room starting up again. And sure. I watched um, uh, 217 that you referenced earlier, the reflections of the way live used to be. And there was a scene we shot for that, uh, which was another scene with Brody. Um and I'm gapping on the actor's name, but he's in 13 Reasons Why. 
now yeah. as well. Yeah, we we Steph and I watched that for our other podcast, and uh, yeah. we were very stunned at the, <laughs> how different he is on that show. Yeah, not quite as lovable <laughs> nope. as he is on our show. Um, but there was a scene where they come back to him, and he's playing. Um, playing an intramural water polo game where they all have um, like inflatable flamingos and swans in like inner tubes around their waist. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately it was cut because it really wasn't essential to the progression of the case. Um, we didn't, we didn't learn that much new. It was kind of a scene we just did for fun. But then of course, those are the ones that, you know, hurt the most because they, because it was a lot of fun. Um, and he's another, you know, now that, we're we're talking about season four. I think we're always talking about this, no matter no matter what. But now that we're back in the room, we're always thinking about um, you know the the world that we've created and, and the world that's sort of expanded as the seasons have gone on. And who can we bring back? Uh, and he's always one of our favorites. I don't know how creatively um, you know viable it is. I don't know how viable it is with him being on another show. But we're always talking about you know these guest stars that we've loved and. How do we bring them back into the fold as our story evolves? Um, so, you know, if we could ever get him back, that would be fantastic. And, um, you know, Tim Chu, who played um, AJ, the Blue Cobra leader. Yeah, they need to a rematch, back. him and Liv. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so much fun to have him back in the in episode 310 um, that Bicentalia wrote. Yeah. I think it was 310. Um, yep. And, and, it, and it does sort of speak to... You know, a little that was the sort of pre-match hype of of the rematch. I think so. If we can get him back, I mean, there's so many others that we've had that have been great, um, and it's a lot of fun to, especially as we're just talking about things in 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 a really wide open, abstract way at the very beginning of the season. You know, we don't get down to the specific episodes until a little further on. Um, but when when everything's wide open and everything's possible, it's a lot of fun to talk about how could we bring back so and so. You know, just because we we've been lucky and had some guest actors that have that have been fantastic. So, speaking of uh, season four, I mean, how do you think the writers' room has kind of changed from season one to season four? Are you guys a little bit more structured or a little bit looser, or I don't know what's um, what's the feel? <laughs> maybe I mean, there's there's actually um, some new blood this year, so that's oh, cool. uh, you know always fun to to mix up the dynamic. Um, we've got, uh, Chelsea Catalanado, I think I'm saying that right. Um, who is a new writer and, uh, very funny, very talented. Um, Heather Renier, who I'm going to screw this up, but I, I think she most recently worked on Sleepy Hollow, but is brilliant and funny. Um, and Dean Laurie, who was just working on most recently working on powerless. He's worked on a ton of stuff. Okay. Um, and he worked on Arrested Development back in the day. Um, Used to used to be primarily in features, and um, I think worked on like Happy Gilmore and Nothing to Lose. Like really, really funny guy. But he was just working on Powerless, which, as you guys may know, was run by uh, Justin Halpert and Patrick Schumacher, who right. worked on uh, season two of Eyes on Me. So there's a little bit of an incestuous thing going on there in the <laughs> DC family. Um, but they're all great. Uh, Dean's hilarious. They are, like it's it's really cool to have people come in that haven't been in the room, but have obviously like seen the show. Um, cause they're coming in with a, you know, a totally different perspective. Mm. Um, we, we know the show pretty well, but we also know like all the things that we discussed that never made it onto air. And that can sort of skew your perspective too. You know, like we don't necessarily mm-hmm. know things that we have thought we were implying or that thought were just understood. We don't know if they're landing with um, the general audience that isn't sitting in the room with us. So it's it's really interesting to have uh, a new perspective in the room. Um, and then you know, Bisan and Talia, uh, Sara Saidi, um, and Graham Norris are all returnees from. I mean, Graham goes back to season one. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, the rest of us have been there since the beginning of season two. So there's kind of like a mix this year of, we've got some continuity and some holdovers, uh, and then we've got some new blood and I think it's been generating some pretty cool ideas so far. Um, we are, we are missing, um, Diane Ruggiero, right? Uh, at the moment she will be coming back. Um, and obviously her, yeah, I mean, her influence is always is always uh, felt in some way or another because she's a force of nature. But she is working on uh, the pilot for Misfits, which is, you know was a British show, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. 
uh, that Freeform is developing now. And all I can tell you about that is I've read the script and it is really, really funny. Uh, And I think it's, I think it's me a a pretty good pilot and, you know, we all have our fingers crossed that it becomes a series as well. Um, but I think regardless of, uh, how that goes, she'll be finished with the pilot and, and back with us in a couple of months. Um, so, uh, at some point, the voice of Diane will be felt again in season four of I Zombie. And Deirdre Mangan, I think, is moving on to another show. She I has moved on. Yeah, yeah. I, the name of the name of that show I can't remember right now. But yeah, she's moved on. Um, so you know, sad to see her go, obviously. But sure. uh, I believe the case is a very good friend of hers is the person who uh, you know created the show that she's now working on. Oh, it was just kind of a Bit of a Sophie's choice, I guess, but um, ultimately too um, just too perfect of a situation to pass up. So, um, Bob, I've got yeah. an actual, I've got a real Jason Doring question for you <laughs> <laughs> that you can actually answer. the uh, The scene where he's being spray tanned was that CG or what? Uh, it was, yeah. Um, they, yeah, as, as I recall, they. Um, they just mimed it, and they have those little uh, those little dot stickers that they put on them, and then the um, you know post production people sort of put that all in because it's just you're doing like so many takes from so many angles, it's just yeah. impossible to to do it practically. Um, let's... And, and yet, yes, we do have the same trainer, so essentially <laughs> um, that's what I look like when I'm spray tan. <laughs> Yeah, wow. it was like a double double whammy uh, uh, for admirers of the male figure in this episode with uh, Buckley shirtless again. And yeah, <laughs> Jason. Dorn I mean, we well. we write all those scenes with Buckley in like a, a hoodie or a <laughs> sweater, and he just refuses to keep his clothes on. I, I, it's funny because I, as, as, uh, in between the seasons, there was a lot of talk about, you guys should do a musical, you guys should do a musical. And I think Buckley and Raul were both like, no. But I think, yeah. like, as this season has had the most Robert Buckley singing in it. <laughs> than yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was, I don't know well, if that I, was like a punishment for, uh, <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, I, we had him singing, uh, something from Oklahoma at the end of last year. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's where his uh, self-effacing sort of jokes about his singing abilities began. Uh, but I thought he really nailed the Camp Skookum song. Yep, um, yep. Yeah. Both, both in, you know, perform in like pitch and whatever and in enthusiasm. Um, what was the other what, – what else did we have him sing lately? I can't remember. Well, it was the Katy Perry uh, during oh, the Teenage Brains. Yeah. And then I guess Finnegan's Wake too. Oh, yes. Yep. In the chorus for that. Um <laughs> Yeah, he might. We might actually have him sing more than Anders. There was a lot of um, Anders at the beginning of the season, and he doesn't sing so much anymore. But Buckley right. is always singing. <laughs> uh, I cannot. I cannot confirm or deny anything about a musical episode. Um, I, sorry about all those dogs. It's okay. Um, I, I don't know where Rob stands officially on that. I, I think it's a. I think it's a really tough one with our show. I mean, I think it's a tough one with any show, and some shows just make the choice that, you know, fuck it, we're just going to do it. Um, I I don't know that, like, I don't want to discount the possibility because I'm not in charge. Um, I don't know that fans should get their hopes up too much for a musical episode, but I do know that we love any excuse to have the characters sing, like, within the the framework of what's happening in a given episode. So I would imagine, at the very least, you're going to see Anders sing a bit more and uh, you know, we once had Donnie and Chief starting a two-man bluegrass band, and uh, we've had Liv as a country singer. Uh, so I think any time that we can. Yeah, I was just um, thinking maybe like Broadway singer brains or just any sort of singer We've brains. certainly bandied ideas in that yeah. neighborhood about. Um, I, I don't know that any of them have landed yet. It certainly doesn't mean that they won't <laughs> land. There's There's definitely proponents in our room of – at, if not doing a full musical episode, at least leaning into that idea a bit more. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, but hopefully we can uh, sort of steer that more toward the, the more musically inclined members of our cast, um, you know, for everyone's sake. Uh, so now I have for you uh, a lightning round, and these are quick questions that you can either answer yes, no, maybe, or no comment. 
Or, you know, if you just want to, like, shout an expletive at me, that's fine for even asking. Well, that sounds more likely for me, but we'll see. We'll see what the question is. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, did Shauna make those shirts? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Are we ever going to find out who is tweeting mean things at Peyton? <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's from the first episode, and we're always wondering, is it – who who who's tweeting at her? Was it Blaine uh, just to just get her to <laughs> fall into his arms? Or <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Um, are we ever going to see Natalie or any like Mister Osborne or the Goon again? Hmm. Let's no comment that. Okay. I, I wish I had watched the trailers for uh, the next episode because then I would know. What spoilery type stuff is already in the uh, atmosphere? Um, yeah, no comment. Okay. Um, will we ever see Angus again? <laughs> hmm. I think I have to no comment that as well. <laughs> These are probably going to be all no comments. I'm telling you. Uh, should we? Well, the other thing. The other thing too is, um, you know, we, we there there. Are, Answers I could probably give you definitively on some of these, but then there are others that, um, you know, I, I don't know how long the show is going to go. I don't know what choices will be made down the road. That's true. Um, so as long as a character, uh, you know, if we haven't seen them uh, killed, right. I suppose there's always the possibility of seeing them again. Like he's at the uh, bottom of the well, that, he's being fed. So that's all we know. Yeah. And he's got his feet in concrete. <laughs> so who knows? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's. It's hard not to love Robert Nepper. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's also hard not to love uh, Brooke Lyons, who plays Natalie. So, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, any of the guest stars that you know that are still living um, that we've had on before are in play theoretically. Um, so that's yeah. <laughs> and Robert Nepper is a very busy actor. Oh yeah, he He's is, everywhere. and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I don't want to speak for him, um, but I think he likes playing Angus uh, as well. I think that is a, a super fun, juicy role uh, that he just absolutely nails, you know? One of our listeners actually took uh, an image, not an image, but like a like a gif of him and put him into full-on zombie mode so it looked like he was having full-on zombie mode. And oh, yeah. uh, I saw he liked it, so. <laughs> yeah, I... I can understand why i think yeah. um I, I, I have no idea what it's like to be a professional actor obviously but <laughs> i can imagine that being turned into a zombie could be on a few people's bucket list career-wise <laughs> yeah uh should we be concerned about the sars outbreak that they mentioned that happened at the hospital the, the reporters mentioned that uh sure yeah. Okay. yeah is axel the ballistics expert a vampire <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what Axel is. Uh, I that, that, I think that actor's name is Danny Dworkis. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh-huh. Um, but he was great, and that was just such a. I mean that that you know was just a expositional role. It was just yeah. to bring some information to our case. Um, but he just inhabited it so well that I you know I hope we can bring him back in some strange capacity as we have with. Uh, you know, Vampire Steve and Jimmy the Sketch Artist. I think he can maybe, maybe he can take the open slot in their D- Dungeons and Dragons game. Although it, <laughs> Axel doesn't strike me as a D and D player, so you no. may have to come up with something else. <laughs> um, okay, well, that was my next. One. Is Vampire Steve a vampire? Uh, I think that was addressed in that episode. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, I know. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, I know, but uh, again, we. Uh, who knows what the evolution of the show and these characters will be. Um, and I, I will say at the very least, you probably have not seen the last of vampire Steve, such as our enjoyment of his performances this season. Yeah, totally. Um, we noticed that on Justin's uniform, this episode, he has the last name bell. So is Justin bell named after Tinkerbell or Kristen bell? <laughs> I don't know. I think Graham Norris wrote the episode in which um, Justin first showed up and uh-huh. named him. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but that's why I remember from last year. So you may have to have him on and ask him. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm going to say that, that most people in our room, uh, because we're on the writer's side of the, offen- of the fence, uh, if we're kissing anyone's ass, it's Rob's and not Rose's. So probably <laughs> Kristen Bell. Okay. Uh, is the- 
How about uh, Rachel Greenblatt? Uh, is she named after Rachel Green from Friends? Or I think, I think somebody... that was just a way to um, – that was a, a Rob uh, edit. Um, and I think that was just the way to make sure that when people saw the byline when Robbie holds up the paper that they would remember that name. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, these other ones you just cannot answer. I just wrote them down to be funny. <laughs> no. Uh, who's behind this? Who's behind that? How about um, uh, another name question? Is Zach Stoll uh, related to Vivian Stoll? And if so, like, why hasn't he reacted at all to his sister, aunt's mother's <laughs> possible <Right>. explosion? <laughs> um, I, this is a memory issue for me because sure. I know that we talked about this in the room. I just don't. I don't feel confident that I remember the right story, so I don't want to send you down a. Uh, a misleading path. I, have, I guess I have to no comment that. I'm really not doing good at the one-word answers. I'm giving you paragraphs <laughs> when you ask for um, <laughs> simple are, yes. Are we going to find out where those missing cure syringes disappeared to? I guess you could say, yeah, if you actually <laughs> are, but you don't have to be specific about it. Or maybe... Um, no, I I mean, they, they still... They're out there. They, they do exist, is all I can say. Uh, there's a couple other things like the dead body in the trunk, uh, outside Max Rager. There was also a plane crash that Caddy Cups came to Seattle because she was investigating. Is there going to be any more about either of those? Right. Is that just kind of... I think I have to no comment that. <laughs> <so> <laughs> uh, will we see Zombie Island ever? <laughs> I'm going to also no comment that. <laughs> <laughs> will this, okay, will the season... I mean, we've, we've kind of seen it already, right? There was those um, pictures, I think, yeah. in an early slideshow of zombies building things and, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. There, it was right. in a season premiere, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes, we have seen Zombie Island. Look yeah. at that. I, I answered one definitively. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. The, yeah, you already <laughs> saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, will the season finale make us weep? <laughs> uh, I think it'll run the gamut of emotions. Okay. Um, and I, sure, weeping weeping will be included in that. <laughs> and uh, will you add our names to, their, to your next episode? <laughs> uh, I can certainly try. Yes. You know what happens is every, every episode, um, like first of all, you have to clear names, and that can just be a, a headache um, because, you know, you either have to have – uh, nobody in the Seattle area named something, whether it's a business or a, or a person or a bunch of people in Seattle named that. And then you can get away with it. But if there's only like one or two or three, you know, um, people named whatever, uh, then it becomes an issue and they, they won't clear a name. And so you have to think of, you know, alternatives. And, you know, as you know, on our show, we have a bit of fun with names sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so that can be a bit frustrating when you're excited about, you know, some funny um, little play on words that you've called some some character. Um, in my case, you know, one of the, I guess, the little perks that I try to uh, carve out for myself is naming things after people that I know in my past or, um, you know, schools I went to or whatever, just things mm-hmm. from my own personal history. Um, and, of course, uh, none of those ever clear. And so we end up having to just name somebody something arbitrary. Uh, so we can certainly make an effort. Um, I just I can't guarantee you that there are not oh, um, you know one or two Stephanie Smiths or one or two Robin Bridges <laughs> in the greater Seattle area. In which case we would uh, we would just be told by our legal department that uh, that we can't do it. Or I could have just made that all up because I don't want to name characters after you guys. I I, <laughs> I agree on all that. Okay, well here is my request. I yeah. want Zombie High. I want Patrice and Tatum. <laughs> I want to see Zombie High yeah, so badly. You, do you mean the the show within the show, or you just want yes, to see... Yes, I want a spin-off. Oh, I see. <laughs> or maybe one episode. I mean, we got a little bit of it yeah. back last season, but right. like, I really want to see that show. We we had so much fun with that episode Uh in the certainly in the breaking of it, and I think um, I think it was a lot of fun for them to produce and, and for the cast to be in as well. Just the sort of um, you know the meta ness of it or the self referential humor within it, um, mm-hmm. and Clive's amazement at all the free food. Um, so again, you know, if 
if there is something in our world that's been created that we have enjoyed, if there's a little bit of a uh, opportunity to revisit uh, not only guest stars, but you know, um, kind of worlds within the world that we've created, we're we're always kind of angling to do that. Um, easier said than done sometimes, but uh, you are not alone, I guess, is my point in a desire to return to Zombie High. And I think uh, one of my one of, one of my last questions here is basically like th- this uh, finale, this two part finale has the same name, whereas last season it seemed like the two part finale. I mean, it, if you intended it to be a two hour, it, it aired like a two hour finale, had two different names. Is there any reason why the it's a part one, part two, as opposed to your other finales? Yeah, I think what happened is um, because, as I mentioned before, like I was up in Vancouver at the time, um, or I guess I was just off writing, uh, you know, the script for three eleven while three twelve and three thirteen were being discussed. I think they just got lazy. Um, <laughs> without me in the room, the energy just drops. You know, <laughs> the ideas don't flow, and they're just like, "What should we call this one? Fuck it, let's just call it the same thing we did for the last one." Um, I honestly don't know. I, I think I think she's just on the same brain, um, so it made as much sense as anything to, you know, to indicate that from the top. Um, I don't think there's anything. Uh, you know, I think last season's final two episodes are as um, as much of a self-contained two-hour story as this season. So I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any big difference there creatively. Okay. And I guess I should do the obligatory. Can you tease anything from the finale? Nothing specific, but um, I think I already said this on Twitter. But I, I think ravioli fans will be very, very happy uh, with some fun moments from the next episode. Um, I, you know, there's been a lot of really funny moments. I think that Dungeons and Dragons episode uh, was was one of our favorites, one of my favorites. Um, it might have been the, there's a scene in this that might have been the hardest that uh, I've laughed at anything that's been on iZombie. Uh, and it's written by Diane Ruggiero Wright and John Enbaum, who are, you know, two of the funniest uh, people and writers that, that I've ever been able to work with as well. So, I mean, right. it stands to reason. Um, yeah, and there's just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about tripping over myself in terms oh, of giving stuff away. I just think, I think there's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of unexpected places that we find, uh, that we find our heroes and, um, and, and then there's, you know, as, as we do in our finales, there's a bit of a, a bit of a reset, um, reset's not the right word, but there's a bit of a sea change, uh, coming to propel us into season four. Um, I think the way that we get, um, suspenseful and and the fallout from the you know the order of events uh, is, is really well constructed, and I think yeah, I think I think I think people are going to be very interested to see um, you know what happens in season four, and again, it's only a year away. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll be waiting for it. Right um, on. Thank you so much for dropping by our podcast again. Uh, and make we'll make sure to have you on for uh, season four's uh, anti penultimate episode as well. <laughs> uh, that would be great. I, uh, I yeah, I love talking about the show with you guys. Sorry, I couldn't give anything juicy away. Um, totally fine. And uh, and hopefully next year uh, I'll be in a position where I've got a bunch of other offers for other shows, and I just say fuck it, and I tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> You want to know how Rob really is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Expect something like that. <laughs> exactly. It will be the expose uh, of behind-the-scenes iZombie on the podcast next year. Um, but for now, I uh, unfortunately still need my job. So, I, I, again, I, I wish I could have given you more juicy details, but always fun to talk to you guys. And thank you again totally. so much for uh, just all of your support of the show. It's been uh, it's been really, really great for us to you know to be able to relive the episodes through your guys podcast so thank you so much for doing it uh thanks for listening to our podcast although i, I must also apologize for you feeling you need to listen to it so <laughs> <laughs> well i i tried to really tee up you know you to sell the podcast and you kind of went in the other direction there but <laughs> oh i'm gonna edit that out <laughs> okay <perfect. laughs> right on 
Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robin Yero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!